You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Yeah, no one, man. Have a listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Mariners podcast. I'm Chris May, and alongside me are my usual learned brethren, uh, Simon May and Ronnie Pete. And alongside us this afternoon, or this evening, which whenever you're listening to this, or this morning, whenever you are tuning in, we are absolutely delighted to be able to welcome um, the man who who is behind the Football CFB podcast, Callum McFadden, all the way from Scotland. A warm welcome to you, Callum. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm absolutely delighted to be joining you today. And I must say, I've tuned in to the podcast recently. I've only discovered it, and uh, I think it's really good. And keep up what you're doing. Thank you very much indeed. Likewise, we'll talk about your podcast a little later because there's some good work going on with yours as well, mate. But a warm welcome. We, um, we've we got Callum with us because, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Callum very recently um, interviewed uh, Lee Picton and um, one or two of our supporters and one or two of our, our followers and listeners Um suggested that it would be a good move for us to maybe welcome Callum along and and, and, and get involved in some way. So um, I just before we get going about talking all things South Shields FC, um, I just wanted to ask you, Callum, um, what prompted you to actually interview Lee? Um, because, of course, you're north of the border um, and... And all of a sudden, you're in. You're interviewing the manager or the the joint manager of South Shields. So what 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 brought that up? What that what brought that on, mate? Well, basically, um, although I'm based in Scotland, I've got a real interest in in English football at all levels. I'm part of the ownership structure at Chester Football Club, and obviously they're playing in the National League North. And with South Shields, because we were expecting yourselves to to get promoted, it's mm. something that I was aware of the story. Um, obviously, with Lee being in the media uh, on various sources, whether that be newspapers or um, other multimedia platforms, I, I just found the whole story very interesting. I was aware of the fact that Julio Arca played for the club a few years ago. That was something that yeah. does not appear in Scotland. And when I, I heard the, the the situation the club were in, where you were so far clear in the league with limited games to go, there was speculation up in Scotland we were going to end our seasons on a points-per-game basis. And to be honest with you, I was just really interested to get Lee's point of view because when I heard the proposal was to void the season, it just really angered me and I wanted to mm. to hopefully give Lee a chance to speak to a wider audience here in Scotland and, and, and out with to try and talk about the situation because... As I said to him in the podcast, as you know, I don't think it's fair what's happening to the club. The club have had a great season and in my opinion they should be rewarded and I can only hope they will be rewarded in the next few weeks and months because it cannot end the way it has at the moment. In my opinion, it's unacceptable. Thanks for that. I mean, we um, we clearly feel that um, the, the season shouldn't be null and voided. Um, we have been, well, a lot of South Shield supporters and... Uh, staff and staff from other clubs who have joined in this kind of crusade, if you want to call it, uh, to try and rectify this ridiculous scenario. Um, we've been kind of castigated for actually having the audacity to talk about football when there are more important things going on in the world and there are people dying around us. Um, but it, my take on it is that um, we probably wouldn't be talking about football had the authorities, the footballing authorities, done what they're supposed to do and administer properly. Um, Ronnie, you, I guess, have a little bit of... You've got other things going on, with obviously, with the takeover at Newcastle, for instance, and all of a sudden, you know, we've, we were castigated for, for talking about football when people are dying, and all of a sudden, Newcastle fans are talking about football because of the takeover. Ronnie, are we... Um, do you think we're OK to be talking about football? If you if you look at kind of mental health and how you cope in crisis situations like this, yeah, one of the things that I mean, one of the common things that hopefully everyone knows about is if you're in a crisis, 
probably the worst thing you can do is think about the crisis 24/7 because that will cause you more problems yeah then then and the world more problems if everyone starts to have mental health issues right so you have to have something that distracts you and what other way of doing it than something that you love that you go and watch two three times um a week which is football um, yeah. and it brings everyone together like we're together today what would, what else would we be doing sitting what else are we meant to be doing sitting thinking about covid yeah, I'd be watching, be I'd be, I'd be watching blanket coverage of COVID-19 or um, I might have been watching the uh, Steve Davis-Tony Knowles match at the Crucible in 1982. That's... Yeah, I've been taking that in this afternoon. What, what, what I find quite amusing at times is you see the social media feeds of, of, of let's say, South Wales Football Club or, you know, well, yeah, let's, that's what we're talking about. So you, you find these people who are trolling and they, as soon as, say, someone like Jeff Thompson or, or the club itself sends a, a tweet, there's a reply from someone, you know, criti- basically criticising for what, what, for what we're doing. But what are they doing? What They're trolling the social media feeds of football-related businesses and people, mm. you know, shouldn't they be away concentrating on saving lives and, and you know, and, and, and you know, focusing on, on what we need to be doing? Of course they're not. They they're amusing themselves uh, by trolling. You know we're all doing like, what we're supposed to be doing. We're at home, um, and we just need a distraction. We wouldn't have had this distraction had our and the FA are taking a lot of flack. But let's face it, it's our leagues, the leagues themselves, who wanted this, um, or, or so we're told. Um, so they've they've made it a talking point. But I, I do I do get annoyed. Uh, the people who say you should be aware, you know, let's focus on saving lives. Well, I'm not a medic. The only thing I can focus on is just staying in the house. Um, yep. and, 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 you know, and let the people who can make a difference make that difference. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's amusing but annoying at the same time. Yeah, that's our main job, right? The people that aren't on the front line. Our one and only job in this crisis is to stay home. Yeah. And yeah. That's what we're doing. And to stay home... You gotta keep yourself occupied. You can't. Yeah. You can't think twenty-four seven about saving lives because you're gonna be even more frustrated because we can't actually save lives because yeah. you've got to stay at home. <laughs> I, I mean, I am. I am a frontline worker, and you know, my my world at the moment is almost normal. Although the, the other people in my household are at home, um, my you know. So actually, when I've got in, I've been involved in a lot of Twitter kind of wars over the last seven days, and I've had to come away from it because it's kind of becoming all-consuming. Because um, it's kind, of, I, I, I kind of find it as an insult to my intelligence that I, I, that uh, we, we are doing what we are doing when they're saying people are dying. You know that is kind of my world. Um, so I, I take it as an insult to my intelligence and my profession. So. Um, Callum, having you today um, is quite handy for us because, of course, if you look at the different levels throughout the game of football, I think if you look at every every kind of level, um, each level is at a different phase of, of where they intend to be. North of the border, the Scottish Professional Football League uh, made their statement, their announcement on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, can you give us a you know a little bit of background with regards to what what has been decided in the Scottish game? What's been decided now is the um, the Championship, League One and League Two, not the Premiership. So the Premiership, as you know, is the top tier, but the the three tiers below have now finished, and they've been finished on a points per game average. Um, so the SPFL decided to put a vote on that. And they needed 75% of all all teams per division to vote for it. So the Premiership passed it. Um, League One passed it. League Two passed it. But the Championship didn't pass it. And I'm sure your listeners and yourselves are aware. The reason there was controversy is because you needed eight out of the ten Championship teams to... um, You needed eight out of the ten Championship teams to vote in favour of it, which... At the time, as of Friday, the SPFL put a statement out saying seven 
out of the championship teams have said they're in favour, but only nine have voted. One mm. has not voted. So until they decide when to vote, we can't move on. Every club was told the deadline was five o'clock on Friday. However, there was a, a loophole in the rules that said you had 28 days to make a decision. But the clubs were not, not all clubs were aware of this. <laughs> so Dundee Football Club allegedly were going to vote no, which meant the seasons wouldn't have ended. They didn't cast their vote by five o'clock and then found out they had an extra month to decide what to do. So there was lots of speculation there was going to be underhanded things and they're going to be promised money or players on loan, etc. to influence them. They denied that. They put out a statement saying, no, no, we need to consider this. We're go we find ourselves now in a position to influence, etc. So they took a few days and then decided to vote yes, which is very controversial. Rangers are calling for legal action. Stephen Gerrard is calling for an independent investigation. But as far as the league are concerned and as far as the rest of the clubs are concerned, those divisions are at an end now. Dundee United in the Championship are now the league winners. League One is controversial because Wraith Rovers have now been awarded the League One title despite the fact they were only one point ahead of Falkirk in second place. Wow. <clears throat> and in League Two, Cove Rangers have been awarded the title. Now, the Dundee United and Cove doesn't cause any controversy, really, because they were quite a good distance ahead like yourselves at South Shields. However, that situation in League One as you can imagine, is causing quite a lot of anger from Falkirk and a few other clubs because there was, I think, six or seven games to go and they were only one point clear. And crucially, they had to play each other and Falkirk were at home for that game. So it's <laughs> it's went through, but there's it's, it's got its controversial sides as well because teams have been told they will be relegated, but then they've now said they want to try and restructure the leagues to avoid relegation. So it's although we've voted it through in points per game for the for the bottom three tiers, we've still got a long way to go in terms of the situation being resolved. To be honest, this, this um, is why I, I've never been a fan of points per game because you know a, a team may well have um, started the season badly, and but but effectively played all the other top sides, and they've now got a run in of playing all the bottom sides, and that's not going to say they're going to win them all, but you, you know. Uh, on on average, they're going to do far better than they did at the start, and I just think it's it's an arbitrary thing, and I've never been a fan of that. You've either got to, for me, there were two options: that's null and void, or continue the season. We've discussed before about we hate null and void. So really, for me, the, the, the season could go on, but um, it is interesting how um, it seems that up in Scotland that the, the, the general consensus that people, most people, were happy with points per game, which to me isn't the right way, but that, that, that does interest me that so many people were were pretty much in favour of it. I must say, on terms of the points per game thing, um, normally, in, a, in an ordinary circumstance, I would be totally with you, Simon. I think, I don't agree with null and void. I think it's a waste of everyone's time. The fans that have bought season tickets, the fans that have bought shirts, the people that have paid for a hospitality table, whether that's a small business, um, everyone involved, players, managers, the lot, I don't think null and void helps anyone because no. it leaves a it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth where you go that whole year, the fitness, the pre-season, the games, the, the going in the pouring rain to an away day, it's it's all been for nothing. So I don't exactly. agree with that. Totally agree with you there. In terms of continuing the season, that would be my preference as well. However, yeah. in light of the situation, I don't think there will be a realistic way to end that unless it was to go down they're saying a behind-closed-doors situation. But the thing people are forgetting behind closed doors is you need paramedics to be there just in case. You need lots of frontline services to be there as a precautionary measure. And if you went about it in a normal circumstance, imagine you played every level in England played behind closed doors. You would need so many paramedics. You would need so much um, coverage there from the emergency services throughout all divisions. So yeah. could you stagnate it potentially? But again, that would that would then draw it out for a longer period than 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 playing behind closed doors would already as it is. So points per game for me, I totally understand your listeners and, and other people might disagree. In this circumstance, because of the extreme nature of it and the unprecedented nature, 
I think it's the only way you can. If you're going to end the season, it's the only way I think you can end the season. Yeah. And the reason I yeah. say that is because null and void for me is a no-no. Finishing the season, yes, that's my preference. But I think, I think legally it's going to be a no-no just because of the situation we're in. And I understand your point of view. It's a great point about the the actual the nature of all. If you had a run in that was quite favourable at the end, that's something people don't actually think a lot about. So credit to you for saying that. It's a very good point. But I think in the extreme nature, I would say you go down the points per game. And what they're trying to do in Scotland is, is there a way you can go around points per game but not relegate, but you can still you can still um, promote the teams that deserve it. Now in England, I understand that could be that could cause chaos, right? We're lucky. I say lucky. We've got four divisions up here. Some would say too many for the nation of our size, but we can rejig. We've got leagues of ten and leagues of twelve, so we could rejig that to a fourteen, and, and that's quite easy. I totally understand with the National League North South, the National League itself, um, and when you go below that, there's bigger numbers there, so it could be harder. But I think there has to be a way to reward success. And if the argument is you cannot punish teams for a relegation that they can't avoid because of the circumstance, then, yeah, I understand that point of view as well. But I think they have to come up with a hybrid that works for everyone because, as I said to Lee in the interview, if your team are well clear in their division and you're set to be promoted to a league in the National League set up with yourselves that would take your club forward. Why should you miss out on that through circumstances totally out with your control? Ronnie? Yeah. When I think about points per game, I know you said it was arbitrary, Simon, but there is at least science behind it. Oh, right? And you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know um, and we watch a lot of cricket as well and we've got the Duckworth Lewis method which also has its flaws, but it seems to be well accepted. And for me, points per game has a lot more science behind it and is a lot more sensible and rational than just voiding the whole season. And like Callum said, this is a unique event. I think points per game is the right answer. Let's just remember, points per game has been used before at Mm -hmm. at our sort of level, you know, in the non-league game in England. It has been used before to sort things out, so it's not novel. That's one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, you talked about ending seasons. Ideally, yes, we would finish this season whenever it's safe to do so. But one of the one of the um, things that came up this week, which I guess would open a, a bit of a legal kind of worms, is Bet Victor's decision to invoke the release clause in the contract for the sponsorship of the Northern Premier southern and isthmian leagues now if the seasons were null and voided which they have been and if that stays the, the, the same i've got a feeling that those leagues could quite possibly go down a legal route and say well if this season didn't technically happen you technically haven't sponsored us this season that when i when i kind of looked at that it, it, it's making um if you if you look at some of the statements that have come out this week with regards to um, scenarios, why decisions have been made and under, under what scenario, um, that when it was made when it was given that the Bet Victor sponsorship um, cessation was a factor, um, then it, then it actually wasn't a factor, makes it even more of a mess. Um, so, so clearly, the the Northern Premier, Isthmian, and Southern leagues could quite, quite, I'm sure, quite easily um, go down the legal route. So, the nulling, the null and voiding of the of of the of the seasons becomes even more um, of a of a mess. Um, you, you could have it in, in effect. Um, South Shields and a whole host of other clubs taking the leagues to court. And then the leagues themselves taking their sponsors to court. Yes. Um, wow, that is uh, quite a hornet nest. Go on, Callum. Something that I, I'd like to add to the point, sir. I totally agree with what you're saying. Something, as I told you, in terms of the involvement I have at Chester. Chester are in favour of ending the season in a points per game basis. Anthony Johnson, co-manager, he's he's been on record. He's he said it to me as well. He's in favour of ending in a points per game basis. If that happens, Chester will not be promoted this season. They're in the playoffs and they would have a chance if the season continues. Points per game means they won't go up, but they're in favour of it because 
the contracts they feel need there needs to be a line drawn. There's players' contracts expiring. The management team, not just at Chester, at South Shields, at Falkirk, at Celtic, Rangers, Man United, you name a club. It's the same situation in regards of they'll have players out of contract that they do not want to keep. And they've mm-hmm. got new players they want to bring in. So if we extend the season indefinitely, you're in a situation where how do you legally force players to stay when their contract's up? And my yeah. personal opinion is, we were talking about season continuing. If you continued the season, for instance, I said about the situation in Scotland where there's a team one point behind the other. If the season continues and you were allowed to sign players as per the usual summer window, if you were Falkirk in that regard, you would just sign a few higher profile players up to help you get over the line. So legally, there's going to be lots of diff- difficulties if it was to continue. But the main point I wanted to make, again, linked to South Shields, was... If they end the National League, the National League North and South on points per game, they must end the Northern, the Southern and the Isthmian on points per game as well. They cannot, in England, end the seasons differently. Everyone has to be points per game or everyone has to be null and void. You cannot pick and choose what you want to do because you must make sure that all clubs are respected. So this is where we now go to our next phase and the National Leagues, the National League and North and South, those clubs are now um, uh, voting on whether or not to end the season. So if they then vote to end the season, they then have votes, each club has votes on how to end the season. Um, Isn't that what should have happened at steps three to seven? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So here we are. We go back to our previous podcast. Callum, you weren't on it, but of course, what we, the the whole thing. If you go back to the very beginning, uh, this week, I think it was Thursday when the the when Rick Parry made the statement that the EFL were going to do everything they possibly could to end the season when it was physically safe to do so. Behind closed doors, as we've already mentioned, and Callum's quite rightly, you know, indicated about paramedics and doctors and things. Um, and we said on the last podcast that it's an opportunity for the football authorities to make millions via live streaming. So, we, at the moment, Premier League are waiting to see what the government say in May at the end of this three-week lockdown. EFL are waiting to, to fit, want to finish their league seasons when it's safe to do so behind closed doors. National League are allowing clubs to vote on whether to end the season and then how to end the season. Steps three to seven are null and void without any, any involvement of the clubs. And that includes the women's game. Steps eight and below have more or less gone points per game, but they've done it kind of by democracy. And the Scottish leagues have voted to end the season. Everyone appears to have had the opportunity to have their own say on the matter except steps three to seven. It's kind of every single flavour you could think of is happening in yeah. in what is a relatively small country that we live in. But then... <laughs> and then, and then when, you, when you extrapolate that over to the rest of the world, this, this game is the same game, same rules, 11 v 11 on the pitch. Yeah. Why does it have to be so different off the pitch in every single country? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you see quotes and I... I don't, I'm not going to quote verbatim, but where there was a quote this week where it appeared that the Northern Premier League itself was in favour of points per game, but were open to be pers- were open to persuasion. What? Whatever that means. The other thing as well that I find that you probably have read this yourselves, the National League clubs at the, at the, at the National League itself, the fifth tier, they all get a vote. Whereas in the North and South, both leagues get four votes each and they'll take that on an average. 
So you're mm. talking about club, clubs like Chester, clubs like York, um, plenty of other clubs, Alfredton, you name them, Gateshead. All those clubs don't really have a voice because it's going to be averaged out, whereas the National League clubs, in effect, uh, will decide what happens in the North and South as well, which, again, for me, as we've talked about, you've talked very rightly there, Ronnie, it's not consistent. And I don't understand how on earth you could say to National League clubs, right, guys, on you go, you've all got a vote each, fantastic. North and South, oh, we'll just do a wee average for you and you, you, you'll you do what the big boys tell you. It's And then from steps three to seven, as you've rightly said, Chris, you're not getting a say at all. It's just, <laughs> it needs to be consistent. Everybody yeah. gets the democratic say. Yeah. You, or you null and void everybody. Or you points per game everybody this. Or we'll give them a wee bit of that and them a wee bit of this. It, it needs to, if it's not consistent, it's going to cause chaos and division, and in my opinion, rightly so, because how can you stomach it as a fan being told what to do when your neighbours down the road are getting a chance to vote? It's just it's ludicrous. Mm. This Sorry. is why I think as well, you know, it, we spoke about it going down legal routes and things like that, and where normally I think um, courts wouldn't really want to get involved in anything like this because, you know, almost a waste of their time. But I think that it becomes um, uh, that there's potential for it where they would get interested, where there's a lack of uh, consistency, where there's, you know, is it money that's really, well, we almost know for a fact that it's money that's really like at play here. Um, but I think but because of the lack of consistency, certainly in England, I think the courts may well have something to get their teeth into, and uh, uh, lawyers really, should I say. Um, I think I think there's there's... Something to be made uh, to, to be taken from that. Um, normally, I, 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 in, a, in a general walk of life, I, I wouldn't want to go down legal routes, but I think there was something to be had here. You know, the the, the, the statement by the or well, it wasn't a statement by the the, the NPL. It was in a, a letter um, from. It was in a statement from one of the other leagues, Isthmian or Southern, I can't remember, where, where they said the Northern Premier League were open to persuasion. That sort of quote. Well, that then, or that sort of inference, you know, that just brings legality into it. And I, I think there, there, there was, there, there's, there, there's mileage in it. There's certainly mileage in the legal route, simply because of the lack of consistency. Yeah, and, and in law, right? It's the president is is what is it goes on. It's like if you if you if you do a crime, and that particularly unique crime gets a particular sentence, and that becomes the kind of the the, the example for the someone that does it a similar crime so yeah. it's like if you're in if you if you're in legal it's like well you have to be consistent because yeah. there's exactly the same situation here especially the national league like callum just described it is the national league even the but they're even treating that differently i've just i'm just afraid i just think that this shines like a huge light on the power crazed mm. money-based thinking of the organization that runs our game in this country Something else, in addition to what you're saying about the National League now, I'm not going to name the club because I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I'm sure if you go on Twitter, you'll see it. There's a club in the National League who've just dug their pitch up. Does that So they must know something that we don't. They're quite a big club, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> They've dug their pitch up. So that would tell me the season's over one way or another. How do they know that? I don't know, but you wouldn't dig your pitch up unless you were sure. Wow. <laughs> My take on it, my take on this really, in, in terms of the levels and what the FA and the leagues have decided is the reason why the other leagues, albeit inconsistently, haven't reached a conclusion yet is because they have broadcast rights. You know, even the National League is, is screened on BT. So, if, you know, that's why the FA were able to say to the leagues below, hey, you're finished, you lot. But because of the, the, the contractual situations with other leagues, that to me is, is why... And as the higher up you go, of course, the contracts are bigger and the, the, you know, money talks, you know. So that, that, that to me is why the, the, our level and below has gone. Yeah, mm. the, the Premier League and EFL stand to make an astronomical amount of money if, it's get, if it gets played behind closed doors and they can stream through Amazon and Facebook. Because let's face it, they've wanted to do that for years and years. But the three o'clock kickoff to try and protect the crowds of always stop that now that they, they don't have to do that anymore and what, what callum mentioned before about paramedics etc etc you would probably yeah. 
you, you would probably have a team of paramedics that would go yeah. from ground to ground, day yeah. to day. So you, you'd have a, it was, it was almost, it would be like a camp basis where you would have yeah. these, um, these groups of people just sticking with these players, matches yeah. and get them all, get them all played. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say on record, right? And I'll read the tea leaves here, right? I think they've always wanted to do streaming. They're going to take the chance. They're going to make that much money for it. There'll be no going back. And streaming will be here forever Yeah. after this. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll hold you to that, Ronnie. <laughs> but one thing, one thing um, that it has kind of illustrated is a, 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 a kind of what we've always known. You mentioned before, say, about power brokers and money talking, but it proves that the men in blazers, um, no matter what level they are, couldn't run a raffle. No, it, it is incredible, isn't it? Like after all, you know, people have talked about this for for decades. But you know, in, in in different walks of life, and how people, how the people in charge, are so, in generally, in general, inept. You know, it, it just beggars belief how people get into the positions that they are, and. Um, we can all talk about things, and yeah, we, people will agree and disagree with us, and we'll, you know, we've all got. But in general, I think we all are sort of talking from the same hymn sheet, and most people in life are as well. I'm sure you just want fairness, don't you? You want fairness and consistency, and when, you must, you know, I'd love to see the minutes of the meetings if they have, if they do exist, of what has been spoken about in, in these FA meetings and league meetings, because. It, it would probably um, it would probably be like a, a sort of comedy script, really farce, if you like, you know, yeah. uh, of, of what's going on. Um, what what the, when you said there about fairness, and that's clearly Jeff Thompson's mantra yeah. as he goes makes the different steps along this legal route. Um, Jeff was on a a debate yesterday, uh, chaired by Nick Robinson. Um, it was on YouTube, um, and it was uh, a debate over whether to null and void the season or whether to complete the season by whatever means. And um, in in favour of points per game or, 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 or something similar uh, was the likes of um, Jackie Oatley um, and Henry Winter, the journalist. And the vote was overwhelmingly in favour of ending the season points per game, was like 70%. Um, so... Although it's not what we ideally would want, and we've said before, it, it, it appears to be, and this was a national debate. I mean, it, it wasn't just, you know, like social supporters. This was a national debate. Um, and um, if that is the consensus, the 70-odd percent in favour of points per game, then really that's the way it should be. You can't, you know, um, achievements should be recognised, um, success should be recognised, failure shouldn't be kind of uh, seen as an achievement. Uh, that's what's going to happen if it's null and void. There's teams like East Hull, for instance, who are miles and miles and miles away from being clear of relegation, never ever going to get out of a relegation dogfight, yet they're going to you know, live to fight another day in a league in which probably they can't afford to be in. So there's all sorts of little scenarios of teams going under. Ronnie? Yeah, I think we need to remember as well that there is governance in place, supposedly, to um, to put these things right, and that's the sports minister. We we have a sports minister for this country who is responsible for making sure things are fair and equal, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think that sports minister and the government wouldn't come out right now because it wouldn't be the right thing to do because probably the, the whole cabinet's focused on dealing with the crisis but I would I would I would hope that the sports minister would look at everything that's gone on in sport at the right time and just try and put a level of sensibility and um, control around what's happened mm. and consistency because it's it's not fair yeah can you um, any of you lads um, can any of you see a scenario in the next 12 months where the um, the non-league levels, uh, steps, um, say from steps three to whatever, create their own governing body. Just no, I, no. I, I, I can't see that at all. Um, 
there may well be talks about it and and you know things may be mooted, but I can't see that happening. It's just too too much involved. I'd love to see it. You know, I, the, the the sort of the the mischievousness in me would say, yeah, let's go go for that, but I can't see it happening. Okay. Really yeah. can't. There's people like Alan Harrison, you know, very vocal on 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 Twitter, etc talking about this and I, I believe there are discussions going on am, among various clubs and, and, and what have you um, that it because uh, although to, once this is all done and dusted and all decisions are made um, I guess we will get to a points per game scenario because there's no way the Premier League aren't going to finish their season there's no way the EFL aren't going to finish their season so the lawyers will then have a field day. I think with the EFA on the Premier League, though, I, I think the thing from for me, obviously up here in Scotland, the the top flight up here are probably going to do the same. But what I'm ex- what we're expecting in Scotland from um, UEFA next week, there's a meeting, and I think it's the twenty third. We're expecting UEFA to then come out at that meeting and say we're not telling you to end your seasons, but we're we're basically saying to individual FAs, make your own minds up and what's best for you and. The thing that I must be honest with you is frustrating me about the likes of the Premier League and the EFL. They're setting these dates like the government do with the lockdown, but then they just change them because they've not got a clue. Or mm-hmm. we're going, to, we're, we're all going to start playing on June the fifteenth, and then they'll change it. I think they're the desperation to finish the season. I don't understand in the Premier League, other than financial gain, because Liverpool. Let's be honest with you, Liverpool have won the title. Mm-hmm. There's going to be no disputes there. I understand with the relegation, you'll have to do something with that. I, that's the bit I think where yes, it's a nightmare legally, but I don't understand the sheer desperation to do it. There's talk of them going abroad overseas to try and finish it. I think they need to realise that they have all the money in the game, and if they need to make a sacrifice, then they're the league that can afford to do it. The smaller clubs can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the EFL can come up with something that can end the season get end-of-season payments to the clubs and save football clubs like we're trying to do in Scotland. Um, I think that needs to be the way forward because I don't think they can let greed take over here, as you were saying, Ronnie, with the streaming, because although they'll make an absolute mint, the, some clubs can't afford to wait to make that mint. They need the prize money now to survive. Mm. Ronnie? Yeah, what I read about the Premier League in, in England is that top six are the ones that are fighting hardest because I think it was something like between them, if they don't qualify for the Champions League or do qualify for things next season, they could lose in the realms of six hundred million between them. And oh. that is why that is why they're pushing it. It's totally money. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. So here we are. We're kinda two weeks on from our last podcast. Um we're kinda we are further forward, but we're not further forward if you if you if you think about it um, we're very much closer to uh, legal proceedings being started uh, with regards to steps three to seven but um let's talk a little bit more about football itself and in particular um Callum um we were um kind of interested and we've discussed earlier why you got involved um, and, and interviewed Lee, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you know, Lee Picton is um, is a, for us, obviously he's our joint manager uh, and for us a big name. But for you, um, in comparison to some of the names that you've uh, been um, interviewing and, and been on your podcast, um, you've had some names, Uh Mark Warburton was a particularly good, I thought, a particularly good interviewee. I thought he spoke really well. Um, Anthony Johnson, John O, um, joint manager at Chester City uh, with Bernard Morley. He spoke really well. And obviously he is a big advocate of points per game. Yeah. Um, but you've just spent six hours with Joey Barton. <laughs> yes, um, that, was a, that was amazing. So um, I interviewed Alistair Campbell a few weeks ago, who I've known <laughs> for um, a few months. He helped me last year with some mental health stuff. Um, he does a lot of work in mental health. I know Marmite figure for, for many people due to politics. I don't dispute mm. that. Um, politics aside, I know it's easy for me to say, his mental health work, I think, goes above politics. 
Um, and the episode we had was about football and mental health. Um, some people will say, oh, you should ask him about this and that. My, my podcast isn't political. I don't try to be. Um, so he, obviously, big Burnley fan, knows Joey Barton, who played for Burnley in two spells, and said to me, I think Joey would be a great interview for you. And I says, well, I would absolutely love Joey. Um, but I don't think I'll get him. And he said, well, I'll send him an email with your number. And if he contacts you, he does. And if he doesn't, then it'll not happen. So I was in the house. I was staying at home as we're doing and doing something boring. Let's just, I don't know, I can't even remember. I think it was, I think I was just actually walking downstairs to the kitchen and my phone went. It was a number I didn't recognise. And it was Joey just saying, hi, Joey Barton here. Alistair passed me your number on. I'd like to do the podcast with you. Um, we'll do it next week. So I said, not a problem. So we did it on Thursday, and I thought, right, well, I'll maybe get an hour of his time, which, to be honest with you, would be great. So we started, and we're talking and talking and talking. So we recorded from 10 until 2, and uh, then he went and said, all right, I'll go and get some lunch, and then we'll finish it off, because I'd only got halfway through. Mm. So it ended up being six hours, and uh, he said wow. to me, he said, Sean Dice texted me um, at half past 10 this morning and said, can you phone me back at 11? He said, so he's going to think I'm absolutely pieing him when really I've been on the phone to you all day. So I've managed to edit it in the situation that it's going to be a five-parter, which Joey was laughing about. when I said, I phoned him and said, look, do you mind if I put this out as a five-parter? And he said, it's your podcast, do what you want. And he was just laughing. He said, I can't believe it needs to go out as five parts. So <laughs> I've tried to make it five parts that certain people will be interested in. So yeah. Part one is going to be on Monday. It's all about Fleetwood and Joey, the manager. Mm -hmm. Part two is going to be all about how he came through in the Manchester City years. Part three is going to be about Mike Ashley, Newcastle, and um, his time there, which if you're a Newcastle fan, Ronnie, is worth <laughs> listening to. Let me just say that. Thursday is all about QPR, which the episode is called QPR, the Madhouse. And some of the stories about QPR are just horrendous in terms of how the club were ever in the Premier League with the structure behind the scenes. It's just bonkers, as you'll hear. And then Friday, he's going to reflect on Scottish football and his time at Rangers, which he's talked a wee bit about, but this is the first time he's really opened up in-depth. And if you're a Rangers fan, it'll be very interesting listening for you because, let's just say, he doesn't hold back on the structure at the club. John Melville will like that one. Yeah, he will. Really good, mate. I, I mean, uh, also, you know, we, we kind of tongue-in-cheek earlier on, we talked about, you know, there, there are more important things in the world and um, people around us, you know, are dying. And tragically, you know, um, a close friend of ours, you know, has lost his father a couple of weeks ago to COVID-19. And the football world is mourning the losses of... Um, well, first of all, Peter Bonetti, the cat. I mean, he was the original cat. I mean, South Shields Football Club had its own cat for for a lot of years uh, in Simon Park. And, uh, but he was the cat. Uh, and, of course, yesterday, the desperate news that uh, we lost Norman Hunter, who, um, although a Leeds United legend, um, is from our neck of the woods, from the Reckenton, Aiton Banks area. Um, and was you know just an incredible footballer, two two incredible footballers. So we, you know, we as the Mariners podcast send our condolences to the Hunter and Bonetti families. And I guess you know it just brings it home, you know, just what what a time we are in. Um, but of course, we are doing the right thing. We're playing by the rules. Um, we're hoping everybody out there is staying safe and abiding by the rules, and just. I kind of think you know. Let's let's talk football. Let's talk football news today. It's Saturday today. South Shields Football Club have sold their 350th season ticket for next season already. Um, phenomenal support to to ensure that the the cash flow into the club is it, it, it it's a lifeline there. Yes, we know we've got a kind of benefactor. We there's a lot of rubbish spoken in the in the public about having Jeff as an owner and a chairman, but the club itself is, you know, it's got to become self-sufficient. And with support like that, 351 season tickets sold. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. When there's actually no guarantee as to when the next season's actually going to be played. Mm. Let's be yes, honest. Indeed it does. You know, I mean, who knows? Because 
what's going on now, you know, we've, we, we may have further um, outbreaks, if you like, until we get vaccines. You know, like who knows when we'll be back to what we describe as normal, you know, so to, mm. to, to be to people to be back in the club with that is, is, is fantastic. And of course, the club itself pulling out all the stops over 60 supporters over 60 receiving phone calls and you know from from players management staff um um we haven't had a phone call yet mine never lads yeah well we've got a bit to go before we're 60 mine like you know so. i've got a nice email <laughs> nice email off jeff yesterday um so uh yeah so so um uh, callum in scotland then um for all intents and purposes you know most of the football season is over um, Scottish Premiership, um, where are they at the moment? Scottish Premiership are in a position where the resolution that was passed to end the lower league season also gives the SPFL the right to end the Premiership season, but they've said they will um, only do that when necessary. However, yeah. the speculation in Scotland is they're literally going to wait until UEFA say, you can end the season when you want next Wednesday. And then probably within 24 hours, they'll just announce Celtic as champions and Hearts is relegated. But as we've said, with the reconstruction talk in Scotland, probably not really relegated. And again, I'm actually going to have a go at Scottish football here. I love Scottish football. I don't normally have a go at it, but league reconstruction talks in Scotland have been led by Hearts chief, um, Hearts chairwoman Anne Budge. Uh-huh. So you're telling me that the team that finishes bottom of the league that stands to gain the most from league reconstruction is the team that has the representative tasked with with managing it. For me, that's not a good look for Scottish football. Um, there's 15 people on the on the board doing the reconstruction. For me, that's too many. Mm-hmm. I don't think 15 people on a Zoom call are going to get anything done. Um, you know what it's like if you had 15 football fans in a pub, it, you wouldn't get in sorted. It would just be back and forth all night. So I don't see how they're going to get something done with 15 people, all with different agendas. As you guys have said earlier on, this is a time, not just in Scotland, but in the UK, for some of the administrators to actually administrate, to stand up and say, it's unique, and this is what's happening. It's points per game. It's not ideal. We don't want it to be points per game. We don't want to reconstruct, but we have to, because we need to save clubs, and we need to keep the game going whenever this relative norm comes back. And and I hope they can do the right thing. Um, because as you've said, people will say, oh, talking about football in this time um, isn't what you should be doing. But I disagree with that. I think talking about football does nobody any harm. We're all staying safe. We're all doing this um, over over a sort of Zoom-type chat. So we're all doing the right thing. Football gives people escapism. And I think it's important that we keep talking football, stay positive. And as I say, the administrators administrate so that when things get back to normal, we're ready to go and we're not having legal disputes or arguing about this or that. Hopefully, when football's back, we'll be ready to go. South Shields will rightfully get the promotion they're due and we can start the new season optimistic and your 351 season ticket holders can become 500 and you can go into the new season really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Ronnie? I totally agree with you, Callum. And when I think about it, most of us football fans work all week and sometimes the only thing that gets us through it is looking forward to kind of getting with our community and our football team to decompress um, and enjoy what we do. And if I speak for myself, if I didn't have that release and the basic human need to be part of a community, to do something I really, really enjoy, then life would be pretty much unbearable for me. And I think, you know, we love football for a reason. And and that's what it is. So, and and it's no surprise that we're clinging on to football in a time where we can't go out. It's it's there for us as a as a comfort mechanism. You know, it's that that is so important to to know and to remember when when we're thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to agree with you, boys. Um, we've we've kind of come to the end of what's been a a really for me intriguing. Um, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, Callum, what you've brought to us today is a a different angle from a different part of the UK. um, But ultimately, we're all looking for something and we're trying to do this together. Um, It's a pity the administrators didn't do things together like like we are doing. Um, But of course, um, 
we've now discussed what we have and it's I, I guess supporters will start discussing um in their little groups whenever they whenever they can get together in whatever way um and we will get together again in the next two three weeks or even sooner depending on what happens with this complete malaise that we find ourselves in with the footballing authorities um i think we'll have to call it a day there um unless anybody else really wants to put anything across um simon thank you so much for your time today ronnie thank you so much as always um for your input for your technical uh, expertise as well getting us around this virtual table and callum thank you so so much for joining us all the way from from um north of the border um we wish you every success and continued success with the football cfb podcast um we'll we'll stay friends i'm sure we'll we'll i'm sure be um crossing paths again whether that's physically or um virtually in the coming months um, when we play chester next season <laughs> oh, oh, that, would be good. that would be good um but callum you know thank you so so much for joining us we are very much appreciative of you taking time from your busy schedule um considering you you've you've you're going to become um part of our brethren and become a married man congratulations on your uh you know she, she's a lucky lady i'm sure but on behalf of everybody involved with the mariners podcast um we wish you every happiness as we move forward in this very very difficult time we wish you all the safety in the world stay safe everybody stay healthy and hopefully we'll 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 see each other physically very very soon as long as we stick by the rules. So from Callum, Ronnie, Simon, and myself, Chris May, it is thank you for listening and bye bye for now. See you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon. Before you can see it, John Shaw. Hey!